0: scripture today comes from Genesis 25 verses 19 through 34 and I'm reading from the message this is the family tree of Isaac son of Abraham Abraham had Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah daughter of Bethuel the Aramean of Padam Aram she was the sister of Laban the Aramean Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife, because she was barren. God answered his prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant. But the children tumbled and kicked inside of her so much that she said, if this is the way it's going to be, why go on living? So she went to God to find out what was going on. God told her, there are two nations in your womb, two peoples, butting heads while still in your body. One people will overpower the other, and the older will serve the younger. When her time came to give birth, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, which means hairy. His brother followed, with his fist clutched tight to Esau's heel. They named him Jacob, meaning heel. Now Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. So the boys grew up. Esau, the oldest, became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau, because he loved the game but Rebecca loved Jacob one day Jacob was cooking a stew Esau came in from the field starved Esau said to Jacob give me some of that red stew I'm starving and that's how he came to be called Edom which means red Jacob said make me a trade my stew for your rights as the firstborn. Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first, swear to me. And he did. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank and then got up and left. And that is how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. The word of God for the people of God. Let us join in a prayerful attitude. Loving God, as we gather to worship this morning, we are especially grateful for the blessings you continually give us. We come together to praise you and give thanks. We acknowledge that without you, we are nothing. Let us never forget this. We ask that you would guide us with your Holy Spirit so we would never fail to remember your love and mercy. And as we remember your love, teach us to share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Well, as Susan said it's good to see all this morning it's good that we can get together we call this the universe where we live where we are and I think often we overlook the meaning of that but it's the universe its one and reality is God and God's kingdom that is reality and we, we all need to be ever vigilant of that fact and remember that and not be distracted by all of the distractions around us in December of 1977 I was in Kagoshima Japan and Kagoshima, Japan is a beautiful place and it was there that one of the best lessons in not being condemned was ever given to me what a gift I was given other gifts at that particular situation in fact one of the gifts I was given was of mandarin oranges but uh, Uh, Mandarin oranges are good. There's There's a volcano in the harbor there. There's a volcanic island in the harbor there at Kagoshima. And because the soil is warm, the mandarin oranges and the sugar beets, the sugar beets that grow in that sandy, warm soil are ginormous. I mean, they're, you know, they're unbelievable. But the mandarin orange trees, the the orchards of them that they have around there are just, they're great. Well, anyway, they threw, my ship was there, and they threw a Christmas party for our ship, even though most of them weren't Christians, in this uh, large hotel, this beautiful ballroom. It was just gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. But they were so very, very nice to us. And mind you, we're all, we are all total strangers. There is there is no connection between us whatsoever other than the fact that we were there and they had a Christmas party for us, you know. Talk about hospitality. Talk about hospitality. So... That's really what our passage today is about in a convoluted sort of way. Even though the the title of the sermon is the resurrection of the body, because it's through the resurrection of Jesus' body that we are set free from sin and death. But there are also some other meanings to that that we will explore, and then there are some that I hope you explore on your own. Anyway, today's uh, today's verse is one that's pretty common, known to a lot of people. In fact, it's the, it's at the heart of Paul's letter to the Romans, and Paul's letter to the Romans is an amazing book. Of many people have been greatly influenced by it. In fact, it was it was uh, Paul's Romans was the topic the night John Wesley had his Aldersgate experience. Consider the word of the Lord. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, Cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord please be in prayer with me and for me merciful God God who created the heavens and the earth. God who gives us life. God who makes a way for us to live in the Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, there's a whole bunch in this passage, and y'all don't want me to talk about all of it. I, I trust, uh, you know. And some of you have already been exposed to some of it. So anyway, we'll see if we can make uh, a few changes. Uh, but what I, what I want us to look at, as with many, many, many scriptures in the Bible, there are multiple levels that we can look at it And learn from the very first thing that Paul says here is that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and what he's ultimately talking about if you read the whole passage if you read all of Romans up until this point is he's talking about when Jesus comes back at the end of time on the Lord's Day as the prophets referred to it and the final judgment he says if you're in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation. You're not, you're not going to be judged for that. But the other level is if you accept that and you're living in Christ, you have life, not death, right now. Right now. It's right here. And the fact of the matter is, is God has never condemned us. Uh, God sent Jesus as 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 the angels told us in Luke chapter 2 right a Savior is born there's good news peace on earth goodwill toward men and So We have life through Jesus and in life in life in the spirit there is no condemnation Consider the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. The, the, the religious folk, the religious folk, right, brought her up there and said, you know, let's stone her because she was caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus writes on the ground with his finger. And they, they talk some more. You can read it there. And he writes on the ground with his finger again. And then he says, what? I think you all know it, right? It's it's, uh, so common, but in case you forgot, he says, whoever is without sin can chunk the first stone, right? And, of course, the crowd sort of disappears like sand through an hourglass, right? They're gone. And Jesus is standing there looking at her, and he says, "Where are your ac- accusers? Where are those who condemn you?" And she said, "They're gone." And what did he, say? he said, "I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more." Now notice. Now notice. This is this is way before, not way before, but a, a good a good period of time before Jesus is even crucified, right? We're listening to Paul here and we're talking about condemnation being removed and sin and death being removed through the resurrection which it was. But the point is is that when Jesus was walking around with people he didn't condemn them. He scolded a lot of the religious folks, but when a religious folk pointed out somebody else's fault Jesus forgave them. He didn't condemn them. So we who are the body of Christ walking around the world should aspire to do the same thing. Now the next interesting thing Paul says here about, really about the resurrection of the body and what's going on about living in the spirit, he said what? He said that the sinful flesh couldn't keep the law so what God did it for us God did it for us and again everything hinges on this if we do it for if we or if if we think we can do it for ourselves have fun right as dr. Phil would say how's that working for you right you know if you think you can do it for yourself or if you if uh, if you have to depend upon yourself for everything, I feel sorry for you, all right? It all hinges on remembering the fact that God does it. God makes it possible. And since we couldn't keep the just requirements of the law, Paul says God sent Jesus in what? The likeness of sinful flesh. Now, this is a tricky deal. This is a tricky deal here, isn't it? All the time here that Paul is talking about flesh, it's a bad thing, okay? Flesh means, just like I just said, in, in the, the, the short answer for flesh, flesh means depending upon yourself instead of depending upon God. Depending upon the ways of the world instead of depending upon the ways of God. Being egotistical instead of humble and depending upon God. Letting desires rule your life instead of letting God's will rule your life. That's what flesh means. But it doesn't always mean that, right? And that's all. Uh, of, of, there are places where it's used otherwise. Jesus used it otherwise. Jesus used it otherwise in John chapter 6, remember? There's another, there's, another, there's another case where Jesus upset a bunch of the religious folks. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you know, then uh, then you're in trouble. Uh, they didn't get that. But it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul is talking about the institution of the Last Supper, which, by the way, did you all ever think about that? The words for the institution of the Last Supper were first written In Paul's letter to the Corinthians not in one of the Gospels just a side note something to think about but anyway in in uh, 1st Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul is recounting what Jesus said even though he wasn't there of in in instituting the, the Lord's Supper what did Jesus say he said this is my body which is given for you right this is my body which is given for you. We and now we understand that we are the body of Christ. Right? We are the body of Christ. Now, if we walk in the spirit, Paul makes it pretty clear there. He says, "Set your mind. Don't set your mind on things of the flesh. Set your mind on things of the spirit." It's a choice. We all get to make the choice, you know. And I notice around me today a lot of folks who make the choice to inundate themselves with negativity. And it's, and it's, uh, it's not helping them. Okay. So I want to remind you what Paul wrote in the letter to the Philippians. And like I say, I can could, I could do a pretty good job at butchering it, but, uh, but I'm going to read it so I won't. It's, I think it comes out better that way. Philippians 4, starting at verse 8. Finally, finally. they are probably say, I'm glad he's closing, right? But uh, although this is a letter, he says, Finally, beloved. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. So, I'll let that speak for itself. But it is, it's for all of us to remember we are responsible for the actions we take we are responsible for to a large extent something sometimes we don't have control over but much of what comes into our eyes and into our ears we are responsible for we are responsible for and those are the things we're thinking on paul says think on good things it's analogous to what we eat, right? We can eat a well-balanced diet, or we can eat the four major sh- food groups, right? Cotton candy, syrup. Uh, of, I mean, I mean, or, no. Candy corn, syrup, sh- sugar, and candy canes. Yes, thank you. Those are the four. We can we can eat that or we can eat a decent diet. It's no different, it's no different. But, but it, it always tickles me when, or, or when we think about it. We think it's different with what we read and what we listen to and what we allow to saturate into us all the time. It's no different, it's no different. In fact, you'd probably be better off eating candy corn and candy canes than, of, than of continually being saturated by negativity. Except you'd have to go see the dentist. And then and then and then it's interesting there. Paul says, What? You know? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that allowed the resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith, we know that God has sovereignty over everything. And that Jesus' crucifixion and subsequent resurrection proved victory over sin and death but he says you know if you again life in the flesh is death but the spirit spirit gives life through righteousness righteousness now this is another thing that didn't happen with Jesus' resurrection. Okay? Bear with me. We can go back to Genesis chapter 15, and that's where we read about Abram. And it says what in Genesis 15? It says that Abram believed God. He believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. So... So if you want to live in the Spirit, the good news is you can. And you can do it all the time if you make the decision to do it. Now, I, t- I, t- I told of some folks earlier, and I'm going to tell you all, the homework for this week, the homework for this week is to work on not being a condemning person. And by the way, I I, I need to tie back in. Why is hospitality so important? The hospitality that I was shown, for example, in Kagoshima on that night in December 1977, they didn't know me. They didn't know me. They were totally non-condemning. Hospitality is being non-condemning even to strangers, even to strangers. But the homework is, question 19 in John Wesley's Holy Club questions, am I like the Pharisee? Am I like the Pharisee who said, thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector? All right? That's the thing to work on. And ask yourself. Or, or 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 say the lord's prayer like this we typically say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven when you're driving home today say in my car as it is in heaven or when you're at the workplace say in my office as it is in heaven we get to choose We have a resurrected body every day that can walk with the Spirit if we but choose to. Amen? Go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.